All right, you all can be seated. Uh, my name is Jerry, Jerry Williams, and I'm actually one of the elders um, here, and I'm going to be speaking um, this morning. And we are going to be, as you heard from Spencer earlier, we're going to be jumping into this topic of prayer. So you've got a, a new snazzy-looking worship guide. If you're a visitor here, and there's a bunch of you guys that are here this morning, so if you're like a first-time visitor, you're like, we're the only visitors here. You're actually not. There's a whole bunch of you here today. So first off, welcome. Um, we're glad that you're here, but on the front side is our worship guide as far as we, you know, sing to the Lord, and then you flip that thing over, and you're going to see your passage and a place where you can take some notes, and if you wanted to talk to somebody or you have a prayer request and those kinds of things, you can fill that out on the bottom, and there's a, a black back box in the back that you can put that on. So we're going to flip it over, and we're going to be jumping into this topic of uh, prayer. We're going to be going through the spiritual disciplines over the next month. Every January, if you're new to Redstone or you know maybe fairly new, you've been coming here for like eight months, um, but not a full year. Every January, we, we shut down our community groups, and we'll talk more about community groups later. Uh, but we shut down our community groups, and on Wednesday nights, okay, on Wednesday nights, we come together here. We're probably going to be in the gymnasium. Well, not probably. We are. We're going to be in the gymnasium, and the kids are going to be in here, and we're going to pray from 6.30 until 8 o'clock. Okay? So every Wednesday night in January, we're going to come in and we're going to pray. Uh, Spencer gave us out uh, a card a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to walk through that again this morning. So a lot of you all have one of these in your Bible. As we're waiting for the Lord to return, we, we, we looked at this um, as it related to Christ coming for Christmas, you know, the Advent. Um, and that waiting, that anticipation, and now we're taking this a little bit further, and we're going to be talking about, you know, waiting for the Lord's return. What does that look like, and how does that impact our prayer life on a daily basis? So we're hoping that people will keep one of these um, on your uh, mirror as you go fix your hair, like I do every morning, or um, in your car, or in your Bible, so that you always see it, and you can flip it over and say, here's three very specific things um, that we can pray uh, together. So this is a catalyst, you know, if you will. This is a jump start into our time um, of prayer. And it is purely coincidental, right, that Spencer, who is our pastor, Spencer Till, by the way, is our pastor, he spoke earlier, um, that he did not speak last week, nor this week. And the fact that Georgia was in the championship Final Four game last week and that they're in the championship game tomorrow night. That has nothing to do with why he's not preaching, I don't think. But it is a fact, nonetheless. So if you're like friends with the Tills or the Osbolts or Will and those guys, you're probably just obnoxious with their, you know, talking about Georgia all the time. But <laughs> did he just say go dogs? Oh, my gracious, it's ridiculous. Okay, so either turn in your Bible or flip your worship guide over, get your pen out or your pencil out, and we're going to go through and we're going to look at this passage together. Before we do so, it's the day of prayer, right? We're going to pray a lot, so I really need to pray right now. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer quickly. Uh, Father, uh, once more, uh, we humble ourselves before you, and we recognize that this next breath that we breathe is only because of your grace. Jesus, you have said it, we can do nothing apart from you. We act like we can, but the truth is that we cannot. We are utterly and completely dependent upon you. Dependent upon you to break this bread of the word, um, to open up our hearts and our minds that we might be able to receive it and understand it, and to be able to apply it into our lives. So Holy Spirit, do what you do which is make your voice known to us. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so a few years ago, we jumped into the Sermon on the Mount. And this passage that we're going to look at is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. What's interesting is it's an introduction to prayer, but we'll stop the passage before we actually look at the Lord's Prayer. So we're not going to look at the Lord's Prayer uh, this morning. Okay, but this is that introductory um, dialogue that the Lord is having on the subject of prayer. And so let's just look at it together. So if you got your pen or your, your, your um, pencil, right, I'm going to mention a couple of words that you might want to circle. So let's, let's start. Matthew chapter 5, I'm, I'm sorry, 6, verses 5 through 9. And when, there's your first word, and when, you might want to underline that one or circle it. And when you pray, you must not, you must not, I don't know, knowing that that came from Jesus, when Jesus says you must not, I'd probably pay attention to that. So you might want to go back and look at that one later. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. I mean, their reward is people are like, oh, wow. What a great prayer he is, right? That's their reward because that's the only accolade that they're going to receive. But when you pray, there's that word again, when. Circle that one or underline that one. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees, what is, sees in secret will reward you. Verse number seven, here it is again. And when... There's an underline or a circle there. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then maybe the next word would be the word pray. Pray then like this. So there's some assumptive language. This is the word of God. This is the foundational text that we're going to be pulling the message from this morning. And the thing that I'm wanting you to see here probably more than anything else is there's just assumptive language here. Now, I'm going to read through some other passages of Scripture that I won't make you look, look up, but listen to these. Watch and pray. Uh, pray without ceasing. Pray on all occasions. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be constant in prayer. And I can keep on going. There's this assumptive language that's all throughout the Word of God. And, and it, it's pretty simple, but it's the fact that Christians are to pray. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at three things. One, we're going to look at just the basics. This is going to be like a broad stroke overview of prayer. Okay? So don't quickly dismiss that. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're talking about prayer again. I've heard so many sermons on prayer. Don't, don't do that. Right, Philippians 1, Paul says, I know that you know these things that I'm getting ready to share with you, but as long as I'm in this tent of a body, you need to be reminded of them. Okay? It's the same thing about prayer. I know you know how to pray, most of you, right? but we need to be re-reminded of what exactly is happening when we stop and we go to the Father and we pray. Why is that important to us? So we're going to do a broad overview, and I'm going to hit some real basic things to a lot of people, right? but they're foundational to, to victory um, in, in living as a Christian. And then we're actually going to go back to the table. We're going to look at our logo, and we're going to talk about praying through the table, and that will make sense as we get through it. 
And then we're actually going to talk about just the spiritual implications of prayer. Okay, so there's three points, which I'll probably turn into like 17 minor points or something along the way, and we'll get out of here by one. It'll be great, right? So uh, those are the three things we're going to look at. Just a broad stroke overview of why, when, how, where, those kinds of things. And then we'll take that and apply that specifically to the church and we look at the church as being like the table. We like that table illustration. So we'll kind of walk through the table and walk around the table, actually. And then we'll talk about spiritually what's actually happening here and how do we take this and apply in, this into our lives on a, on a daily basis. Does that sound good? Everybody okay with that? Okay. So uh, broad stroke overview. First thing that we're going to look at, and I'm going to hit these real quick, okay? First thing, why do we pray? Why do we be baptized? You know, why are we to be baptized? Well, there's a lot of good theological reasons that relate to the death and the burial of Jesus Christ and the fact that our sins are forgiven. Okay, that's, that, that's great. But the reason that we're baptized, the primary reason is because he tells us to do so. Repent and be baptized. We are to be baptized. There are individuals that are in our church right now that have probably never been baptized, but you've confessed your sins. You need to be obedient and you need to step out to the Lord and you need to be baptized. Come to a pastor and say, I've never been baptized. We need to baptize you. Why is it because there's this crazy supernatural thing that's going to happen? Is there literally a dove that's going to come from hand, heaven and lay on you? Probably not, right? But you're going to take your first step of obedience to the Lord when you say, yeah, I'm going to be baptized. Why do you give, right? Because the Lord tells us to give. Right? Why are we stewards? Why do we go through a series on stewardship? It's because the Lord says, it's not really your possessions, they're really mine. Right? The gifts that you um, use on a daily basis that enable you to be able to do your profession, right? and you actually get a paycheck, that's because I gave you those gifts. Right? And I'm building my kingdom, and I need some of those funds. The Lord doesn't need anything, so I use that loosely. Um, but I use those funds to enable to bless you and do all these other things and, and build the kingdom. But bottom line is, it's because he tells us to give. That's why we give, right? Why do we pray? Because he tells us to pray. I just read like six or seven passages that, that have this great assumptive language that are telling us to pray, pray, pray. Always be praying. Pray without ceasing. You know, don't stop, right? We need to be praying people. Why do mothers spend time with their children? Why are you always with your kids? Uh, well, I'm a mother and they're my kids. Um, am I not supposed to be with my kids? Yeah, you actually are. It's like, why are you always in the kitchen? I'm like, well, you know, the individual's like, I'm a cook. That's what I do. You know, I'm, I go to the kitchen. Okay, well, that makes sense, right? That makes perfect sense to us. Why are you always like on the baseball mound? And why are you always throwing? I'm a professional pitcher. That's what I do, right? Should I not go to the mound? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You should, right? Why are you always like crunching numbers and doing all these graphs and charts? I'm a CPA. That's what I do. We would never question that at all because that's very assumptive right? But if you look at your life and you say, I'm a Christian, but you never pray, that doesn't add up. That just doesn't make any sense because the basic premise is Christians pray. It's what we do. If we are in a relationship with Christ, if we are saying that at the very beginning, foundationally, we understand that there's a God in heaven who has given his son and he loves us and this veil is torn and we are able to come into close proximity to him because he loves to dialogue with us and he loves to talk with us. He is a father, he is a shepherd who speaks in a way that his sheep can hear him. Jesus says that and if that be the case, but I never spend any time talking to him, then something is amiss there. Something is off there. Christians pray and we do it because the Lord has called us to pray. Um, prayer works, second part of why we pray, prayer, prayer works. Um, I had a moment this year. It was really weird, so I'm going to just share my weird moment with you. Um, I'm, I pray a lot, 
You know, I think that there's plenty of us in here that, you know, pray a lot. I think I do it sometimes because I'm just desperate, you know. And, and then sometimes I'll go through these seasons of praying, and I'm like, did the Lord hear anything that I have been praying? I don't really sense his presence. I don't know that any of these prayers are being answered. And I was having one of those moments this year. So a couple of days ago, we were uh, the community Bible reading. I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but these, these journals that are back in the back, it's a great artifact as a catalyst for you to open up the word on a daily basis with other people that are also reading the same passage. And sometimes it's a great catalyst for getting you started to pray in the morning. Right, so last week I was reading, and um, we were in Luke, and here was uh, Zechariah, and the, you know the angel, you know Gabriel comes to him, and he says, "Hey, Zechariah, this old man who's been praying this thing over and over and over and over, right?" And Zechariah looks at him and says, "The Lord's heard your prayer." Okay, you know, that's a good thing. I've been praying for like seventy years, and he was an old man, and 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 you know the, the, the you know the angel just looks at him and says, "Just know this: the Lord has actually heard your prayer." He didn't answer it 50 years ago, but he heard it. And this is that moment. This is the answer to prayer. You know, so sometimes we can pray and we can we pray and we, we pray and we don't see the results of those prayers. And we wonder, does prayer really work? Does the Lord really hear my prayers? I had this weird moment. Like Caleb, my son, he lives on a little island and he came in for a wedding and he was in Knoxville. And I had to go to Knoxville for some work. So I was like, hey, meet me. We'll have coffee and we'll talk for a little bit. So we, we met up. And he was like, Dad, I accidentally gave all my good clothes to Goodwill, and I, and I kept stuff I was going to, um, he did it backward. He kept his good, uh, he kept the bad stuff, and he gave away the good stuff, right? So he's like, I have no clothes. Like, all I have is shorts. I have no jeans. So he's like, can you go over to Old Navy with me? And I it was just burdened for some things. So he was walking around and looking at jeans, and I was just praying. And it was one of those, you know, moments where I'm like, Lord, do you hear these prayers? And in this moment, it's supernatural, and you all are going to think I'm weird, and that's okay, because I am weird, right? In this moment, the Lord clearly reminded me. It was like boom, to boom, to boom, to boom, to boom, to boom. It was like ten things that I had been praying for the, for the past couple of years that he had very specifically answered. And it came out of nowhere, and I was like, does anybody else see that? Anybody else hear this? Right? And it was just the weirdest thing. I was like, where did that come from? And, and I talked about it like that next week. I was like, the Lord did a really odd thing. He just reminded me that he's heard my prayers. And he's actually answered these prayers. So the second point being, we pray because he tells us to, but prayer really does work. That sounds pretty basic, but it's true. And we need to be reminded of that. And that's why, um, that's why Gabriel reminded Zechariah as well. Um, C, because he will use you praying to change you, to mold you from the inside out. There's this great passage in 1 John 11. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 John 1. There's not a 1 John 11. If you look it up, it's not there. And he says, ask anything according to his will, and he hears you. What is, what is his will? Well, I don't know exactly what his will is, but I do know this, right? The more time I spend with my wife, Cammie, the more I understand how she thinks, right? You know this. Like, we've been married for 27 years, and I hear something taking place over here, and I'm like, oh, I know how my wife is processing that information. I can look at it, and I can see it in her eyes. And sometimes I get that look, and I'm like, you don't have to say anything because I already know what you're thinking. You know what I'm talking about, right? The more time you spend some, with someone in close proximity with them, the more you begin to understand how they think. And I think it's the same way with the Lord. Like, I can step into to this dialogue with the Lord, and it's like, if I don't have this thing, I'm going to die. Lord, you must give it to me, right? And then the more I pray and the more I pray and the more I pray, I began to understand this thing may not be the right thing. In fact, the timing of this thing may not be right. And I change 
my prayers. And I begin to pivot back toward the kingdom and back toward um, which is actually in the Lord's prayer. And I begin to say things like, Lord, not my will be done, you know, but yours, right? I mean, your will be done. And I, and I think that there's this change that takes place the more time that we spend with the Lord. He begins to change us from the inside. And our prayers begin to change over time. Uh, y'all ever done that? It's like you begin praying, and you're praying for this one thing, right? And then over time, your prayers begin to change, and all of a sudden, you're not praying for that one thing. In fact, Lord, don't do that, because if that happens, it's all going to be disastrous. Well, where did that come from? Well, it came from spending more time with the Father, and he began to mold and to change um, your heart. Um, the next reason why we pray, it's pretty simple, but it's glorious. Our Father desires to spend time with us, with his children. So Kyler, who's like right here, she went to Ireland last year. Um, some of you all know my wife, um, but you probably don't know my wife. Right? She's not in here. She's in the kids' department today, so I can say anything that I want because she will not go online and listen to the sermon, so I can get away with anything. Right? But here's the thing about Cammie. Um, we went on our 25th anniversary excursion a couple of years ago, and like we got up every morning early, and we went to the gym. Right, And then we went for these long walks, and then we would come back to this little house that we were staying at, and she would be like, oh, my gosh, there's weeds everywhere. I'm like, who cares if there's weeds everywhere? Well, I care. I don't, I'm, you know, so she would go pull weeds all day. And then I would find myself like carrying weeds. And there's like branches off of these trees. I hate these kinds of trees. If this property doesn't look good, we need to get rid of these branches. I'm like, really? This is our 25th anniversary and we're carrying branches. Right? That's what we do. So she's like always on the go and she does not know how to rest. It's fascinating. It's annoying. But that's who she is. Right? And it really is admirable. I mean, she gets a lot of stuff done. So Kyler's gone. I'm actually going somewhere with this. Believe it or not, I'm actually going somewhere. There's a point here. Right? So last year, Kyler's gone and she's in Ireland. She's doing some mission work. Right? We don't hear from her often. And Cammie can like be out mowing and trimming and carrying you know, stuff and you know, picking up you know, branches and all of these crazy things. And all of a sudden, the phone would ring, and you know, it would be like, hey, it's Kyler. Kyler's FaceTiming. And it would just be fascinating. I, you just, it's amazing the love that's there between a mother and her daughter. I would be like, what the heck? You know, I can't get you to like, spend time with me on our 25th anniversary, but you'll shut the world down to listen to your daughter because she's calling. And she would sit there for an hour and a half and just laugh and talk. And, and then, you know, as soon as the phone call was over, it was like, come on, we've got to get the branches up. You know, we'd jump right back into it. <laughs> but there was something beautiful about, you know, the, this daughter that was wanting to come into close proximity to her to just give an update. This is what's been going on. This is what we've been eating. This is what Jesus has been doing. It was just beautiful, right? So the, the, the fourth point here is that's the father's love. That's the love of the Father. He desires you to spend time with him. If you call yourself a Christian, but you never spend any time with Jesus, something is amiss, right? It breaks his heart. You know, he loves for you to come and just share. You don't even have to ask for anything. Just give him an update on what you're thinking, how you're feeling, what your struggles are. You know, and He just loves it. He loves it when we come in close proximity um, to him. And then the last why that I would give you, and I'm sure that I could probably, or you all could give me like five or six other whys that we pray, um, but we can't be here all day, right? So the last why that I'll give you is because it's impossible uh, to be victorious as a Christian if you don't spend time in prayer. It's impossible. You cannot do it. Uh, and we'll jump 
into that when we get into our, our third point. Okay, so when do we pray? Um, uh, this will be quick. So I did like this survey last week with all of these what I would call real prayer warriors. Uh, I went through and I said, here are some people that I know go to the Lord and, and they pray. And I asked them a series of just basic questions and I gathered you know, their information and it helped me process my information for this particular uh, sermon. And it was interesting. So one of the basic questions was, you know, how do you get yourself to praying? Um, you know, what are things that hinder you in prayer? But when do you pray? And probably 80% of the people sp- you know, spend a lot of time talking about, like, first thing in the morning, I've got to go to the Lord, um, and I've got to spend some time in prayer. Okay? E.M. Bounds, he's got this great book on prayer. I've mentioned it before. And he used to get up, I think, at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning and pray for, like, four hours and then he wrote this journal on all that he learned. And it's fascinating. It's a big volume. Um, but you ought to read it, you know, or just to read parts of it sometimes because it will really challenge you to pray more. But I remember the one quote, you know, the guy, you know, says, I don't, you know, I've got so much going on in my day. I don't have time to get up and spend three or four hours in prayer. And E.M. Bound says, I've got so much going on in my life. I don't have time not to get up and pray, right? It was the perspective of the fact I have to be in, you know, communion with the Lord before I can even go about doing anything in my life. I've seen this. You've probably seen this. You get into this pattern of praying, and then one day it's broken. Either you're on vacation or you were up late the night before or something happens. And whereas normally I've you know, got up, I've spent time in the Word, I've spent time in prayer, I didn't do that this morning. And all of a sudden my day is starting to unravel, and I'm like, what is going on? Why is today so weird? I'm like, oh, well, no wonder. I haven't spent any time with the Lord. I've had several of those moments, um, and you may have as well. But here's a couple of scriptures for you. I won't give the references, but I've got them if you need them. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. You see a pattern here? And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning. But then he flips it and he pivots and he says, but also your faithfulness at night. Um, I had a friend a couple of years ago who was just really struggling and he realized that a lot of the things that he was doing in his life and in his profession, he was doing in his own strength. And he got to this point where he like hit a wall and he kind of cried out and, and I, I helped disciple him a little bit. And he was like, what in the world do I do? And I'm like, let's talk about your prayer life. Right. And he was like, man, I don't spend hardly any time in prayer. I just don't. It's like a little bit here and a little bit there. And I challenged him to get up an hour earlier every morning. And he was like, what? You know, you really want me to get up an hour early? He said, just try it. Try it for a month. And he did. And he's still doing it. And he said, it changed his life. He said, I had no idea that I could actually get up at like 5 o'clock or 5.30. He said, but I committed that to the Lord, and I got up an hour earlier, and I started going into the Word and spending time in prayer. And the Lord has changed my heart, and I'll never go back. Right? So um, I really do encourage you to think about the concept of praying in the morning. Now, some of you, you have young children. You've got to be at work at 5 o'clock. That's just not going to happen, right? So here's what prayer is not. And when we talk about when do you pray, it is not this moment in time in a day, in a 24-hour day. This is it. This is the block of time. And you go and you spend time with the Lord. You check that, and then you go live your life, right? That completely contradicts some of the other scriptures that I read earlier where it says, um, uh, where are they? Pray on all occasions, steadfastly in prayer always, be constant in prayer, pray without ceasing. 
right? There's this dialogue that needs to be taking place with the Lord. So you're really not just saying good morning to him. You're saying good afternoon and you're saying good evening as well, right? You're thinking about him as you're seeing the mountains. You know, you're, you're giving praise to him. You're, you know, with your kids in the car, and, you know, Deuteronomy 6 says that you need to be talking about the Lord at all times. So you're praying, Lord, how can I take this conversation and help them to see the kingdom? How can I help them to see the goodness of the gospel in this moment? And somebody comes into your office, and they're like, oh, man, there's a situation, and I'm not sure what to do, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to present it to you. And you're praying, oh, Lord, help me to have ears to hear and to pay attention Give me wisdom and give me discernment. I need you right now in this moment because I want to help this person. There's this constant dialogue that needs to be taking place all throughout the day. So prayer is not, and reading the Bible is not like this discipline. That's something you do. You check it off and then you go live your life. No, it's understanding as Brother Lawrence you know, calls it in his, in, in his book. It's practicing the presence of God. It's understanding that you're always in the presence of the Lord. King Jesus is with us right now. Right, and he will be with you when you um, go to your work, you know, tomorrow. You know, he will be with you um, when you're struggling, and he will be with you when you're having victories. And it's great to be reminded that we need to be, you know, sharing those things with him, to be constant in prayer with him. I didn't always understand that. You know, so when I say that these are like basics, right? They are, but I didn't understand that. I was a Christian for years, and I was like, oh, you get up in the morning, you spend five minutes reading a passage, you spend ten minutes, you know, five minutes praying, and then you pray before you eat a meal. And then you pray before you go to bed. I think that's what you're supposed to do, right? Is that it? And that's what I did for years and years and years. Only as I got closer to the Lord did I find myself talking to him on a more regular basis. Um, But having said that, I do think that there's some good wisdom about finding your best time. You know, Spencer, you know, spoke on uh, the passage in Mark 14, the alabaster jar that was broken and poured upon the Lord. There was expensive perfume, and people were like, why did you waste all that perfume on the Lord? And Jesus was like, no, don't rebuke her. She did a really, really good thing. She took her best, and she broke it, and she anointed me with it. I think that there's an application there to prayer as well. When are you at your best? Right? With me, it actually happens to be, Spencer will tell you this, it's like in the morning. Right? If you catch me at 6.30, 6.45 in the morning, man, my wheels are turning. I'm going. And I send out a lot of texts at that time in the morning because I'm really paying attention. You know, and I get reprimanded for that from time to time. It's like, I'm asleep. Please don't text me at 6.45 in the morning. Okay, sorry, it's 5.45. Um, but, but in the morning, it's a good thing. So that's my alabaster jar. That's what I break, and I give that to the Lord. You might say, man, I am at my best between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock at night, right, or mid-afternoon. It doesn't matter, right? Find out when you're at your best and, you know, set aside some time and spend um, in prayer um, at that time. Okay, let's continue uh, going through this. So there's different ways, you know, to pray, and I walk, and other people say I go to my knees. You know, that doesn't matter. It's completely up to you, but just find time with the Lord. I have people that will tell me if I go to my knees and pray in the morning, I will go to sleep, and I get that, right? So I don't, you know, I don't go to my knees. First of all, I got a bum knee anyway, right? The other reason is because I like to walk, and I look, and I see things, and before I know it, I, I found out I'm like a mile and a half from home. How did I get here? You know, and you don't always know because you're just so focused on spending time with the Lord in prayer 
but find what works for you. Um, we bought Kyler these earmuffs because she's like comes over to the house and still try to spend some time like doing her studies or something. And it's like, oh great, Kyler's here. That has to be complete silence, right? Because she can't focus when she's studying, and it just drives us crazy. So for Christmas this year, you know the earmuffs that like if you're shooting, they sh- cut out all noise, right? And they're really really big and gaudy and ugly. I actually had them to bring this morning. And I left them on the counter, right? So. Just put those babies on, and you can block everything out. It's amazing. So if you've got eight kids, Winstead, you know, or, you know, whomever, and whatever your situation is, and you're like, I don't even know how to get silence, go invest at Amazon.com for $11.99 and get yourself some shooter muffs, and you pop those boys on, and you can, you know, spend some time only hearing your voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So find out um, what works for you. And um, the CBR, the uh, Community Bible Reading booklet that's back in the back. So if you were reading through that yesterday, did y'all, so y'all want to ask, you know, you raise your hands. But for those of you that did, did you notice yesterday, in yesterday's reading, it said this phrase. It said, seek his presence continually. That's what we're talking about. Seek his presence continually when we're praying. So not a checkoff, not a discipline, something that we do, right? It's not about works. It's about relationship. And I want to seek his presence uh, continually. Okay, and then how do we pray? Let's just go back and look at that passage in Matthew one more time uh, because we don't want to miss a a big part of what Jesus was saying here. So in Matthew chapter 6, how do we and don't we pray, right? And he says... Where's my passage? When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, right? Don't be standing in the synagogues and making sure that people are hearing you. Don't be, um, you know, using, you know, too many words. If you look down at verse number seven, they think that maybe if I say a lot of words, the Lord, you know, will hear me, right? So what I would say is this, like if you're from Appalachia, don't pray like you live in Boston, Boston, right? If you kind of speak ESV language, don't pray using KJV. It doesn't make sense. Why are, you, why are you doing that, right? It's like you don't talk like that when you're with us, but every time you go into prayer, it's, oh, thou almightiest, you know, thy greatest, you know, and all these thes and thous and everything else. Like, I've never heard you speak that in, in any sentence during the week, but every time you pray, you do that. Now, if you do that, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend you. But what I'm saying is there's just this sincerity that I'm just honest and I'm open before the Lord. Psalm 51 says that the Lord desires truth in the inner parts. Just be real. You know, just be real going for the Lord. So, you know, it might look like, you know, to me like this. If, um, you know, if I've, if I've just struggled with anxiety, you know, and I'm really worrying about stuff. I'm like, Lord, I'm just struggling with anxiety and I'm really worrying about stuff. What's going on with me? It's okay to say that to the Lord. If I was condescending, you know, toward uh, an employee or a kid, you know, Lord, um, I was just ugly to Colby earlier. That's my youngest daughter. That was a real prayer I prayed this week. And I was like, golly, you know, Colby just, I don't know why, but I just, not snapped, but I just got frustrated and I embarrassed her in front of other people. Why would I do that, Lord? I am so sorry, right? The Lord desires that kind of honesty when we pray. He desires that we be real with him, right? So the flip side of that is what you see in this passage where you're praying to be seen and to be heard. Don't do that. Go into a prayer closet, put your earmuffs on, and be honest with the Lord, okay? Now, having said that, so that's actually point number one. You like that? Point number one. We've only got three, and I'll be done in the next seven to eight minutes. Um, The second one is the table, 
Okay, on the redstone logos, there's the table. And there's a lot of different ways that you can illustrate what the church looks like. And there's tables with six legs and eight legs. I get that, right? But we still keep on going back to it and saying we still like the table illustration of what the church is. So if you were here a couple months ago, you've heard this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm going to give you a 45 seconds worth, okay? The table, on the top of the table, it's always Jesus. It's always the gospel. He is the only nourishment that we have, the only nourishment that we need, Right? Okay, and then we look at these four legs. We have a four-leg table on our logo, right? And we look at the first one as being your relationship with the Lord. We want you to be worshipers of the Lord. The second one, not only are you worshiping the Lord, but we want you to be in community with other people as well. So you're going to see at Redstone that we're going to promote community groups and community life. Okay, the third one is you understand, oh, Jesus has actually given me gifts to use to strengthen the body. It's Ephesians 4. Right? So how can I use these gifts to strengthen the body? Am I good with kids? Am I good with, um, you know, just helps? Am I good with, like, setting things up in the morning? Um, am I good with, um, you, know, you know, cooking, right, and, and, and cooking ministry to help, you know, meal ministry for people that, that need um, help? There's all of these different gifts that he's given. And the leg number three says, I begin to not only worship the Lord, Worship the Lord in community with other people, but I want to use these gifts now within the church to strengthen the body. And then the fourth leg is where we want to go to. And this is what Jesus has called us to before he ascended into heaven. He says, you're to be disciplers, right? You are to go teach everything that I have taught you. You are to baptize and teach them to obey everything. And I'm with you till the very end. And I'm coming back, you know, which takes us back to our Advent card, you know, but you are to be disciples, disciple makers, um, and we want eventually all of the people that are here to do that, to find two or three people that they just pour into on a regular basis. That's 45 seconds worth. Let's take that back to prayer, okay? In, in general, this is what this means, right? We want you to pray. As an individual, we want you to spend time in prayer, okay? So listen to me. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, right, you've been coming to church sporadically, but the truth of the matter is you don't fully believe or you don't fully get this whole gospel thing. We encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And one of the best ways that you can do that is go spend a little bit of time in the Word. I, can, I would recommend the book of John. You know, go spend some time in the book of John. Just pay attention and, um, and, and begin to pray. You know, maybe so for the first time in your life, you're going and saying, Lord, if you really exist, right, please speak to me. And you engage him, and you begin to communicate with him. I have a friend who did this very thing, and who had great doubt and great sin in his life, and he locked himself in a hotel room one night, or one weekend, and he did this. He said, Lord, if you're real, I need to know it. And he opened up the Bible, and he began to read through the book of John, and that led him in other places, and he began to pray. He came out two days later, and he said, I believe. I get it. I see it now. The Lord clearly spoke to me. He met me in this hotel room. Um, and then the dude went off to Bible college, and he's ser serving the Lord today, right? So you don't have to have it all together, right? But just begin. Taste and see. Just take a little taste. Spend a little time with the Lord. And maybe you're a believer, and you're like, I pray, but it's kind of a random thing, right? So maybe this is the year, 2018, where you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to find what's my best time of the day, and I'm going to really be consistent with that. And I'm going to go spend whatever you decide, amount of time. The, the, the amount of minutes or seconds is not what matters. But I'm going to be, start being consistent, right? And maybe to some of you, you're like, no, I pray on a regular basis. Um, but I, I could pray more. And I could pray more specifically. I actually am going to start getting up a little bit earlier. 
And to some of you, you're like, no, I actually get up early and I pray specifically. Um, but I, um, I think I need to start praying for this ministry or I need to pray for these unreached people groups or I need to pray for pastors and missionaries around the world that are going through persecution. But the point is, on leg number one, right, you're praying and it's between you and the Lord, right? In leg number two, right, you're actually stepping into community with other people. We don't want you to just be praying to the Lord, right? We want you to be confessing your sins one to another that you might be healed. We want you to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we want you to begin, just begin to have relationships with other Christians. You're like, well, I can't do community groups because I work on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and Sunday nights. There's other ways that you can do so, but the key is begin reaching out, getting to know other people, and begin praying with those people and for those people. You know, so, for example, this is what it would look like you know, if you're in a community group. So if you're in a community group, we have them on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights right now. We've got a new one that's getting ready to start in Elizabeth, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But if you're in this group, right, you're going to get to know these people. You're going to play games with them. You're going to have fun you know, playing cornhole. You're going to eat around the table, and you're going to be doing sermon reflection. This is what I heard in the sermon today, and people are going to be able to start sharing. And at some point in time, you're going to take this step of faith, and you're going to step out, and you're going to say, here's what I see or here's my struggle, or here's what I don't understand in this particular passage. And someone is going to reach out to you, and they're going to love on you. And they're going to see, they're going to see you as another brother, and they're going to begin to pray for you. And the more time you spend with these people, my little app, I pull it up every morning, 2017 Community Group, and I go through the list, and I pray with them, you know, for them. And the more you pray for somebody by name, the more the, the love of Christ is put in your heart for those individuals. You begin to love with them. The more you break bread with people and the more you pray for people, the more you begin to love with them. So at leg number two, it's not just you praying, but now you're beginning to pray for specific people by name and to be burdened you know, for them and, and love them. That's a good thing. That's the church. That's what we're to do. And at some point in time, right, you begin to realize not only that, but Jesus has given me gifts, so I've gone from leg one to two, and now I'm in three because I'm like, I'm really good at like just doing stuff behind the scenes. Okay, so you come and join the setup crew in the morning. These guys are amazing. We love you. We thank you. You come in very early. Actually, you all probably didn't know this, but these chairs don't just magically show up, right, and all of this stuff. This is a cafeteria. It's converted into a worship center because there are people that have the gift of helps, and they show up. And the more they rub shoulders and go out into the cold and open up the trailer and it's raining and they pour, pull stuff in here and then they get the sign and they take it down to the front at Carroll Creek Road and they put it up, the more they do that and the more they laugh with each other and they get to know each other and, um, you know, wipe the you know, the rain off of each other's, you know, brow, the more they begin to really love each other. And the more they love each other, the more they begin to really, you know, pray for one another. So we want this body, you know, to be a group of individuals that are using their gifts to serve the body, right? And you begin to pray for those people. So for example, right, you're not expected to like to pray for everybody in this body by name every day. That would just be ridiculous. You know, but if you're Ben, right, um, if you're Ben Colton and you're like a middle school guy, see, I told you, I'm going to do it. He was like, use my name today in today's sermon. I'm like, I am actually. He was just kidding, but I was serious. I'm like, yeah, you're probably going to pray for middle schoolers, right? You're going to pray for, you know, the middle school kids and probably their parents. You know, I asked um, Will. Will's back there. I said, so, Will, what does your prayer life look like at Redstone? Who do you pray for? He's like, well, I always pray for my vocalists and I pray for my musicians and, you know, people in my community group, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, well, that makes sense. You pray for everybody? Well, no. Why would I? Right? And I asked the same question of other people. But so there's people within the body 
right, that you've got a heart for. It might be children's ministry. It might be your set-up people. It might be just some of the ladies that are around your table, right? But you begin to not only pray to the Lord by yourself and to pray for other people, but now for specific ministries, you begin to be burdened for the, the middle school ministry or you're burdened, you know, for the kids' ministry or you're burdened for the women's ministry. You're burdened that we need a men's ministry and we don't have one and I'm burdened for that right? Because God has given you that gift. And ultimately what we desire is as you step into leg number four, and leg number four would be that you step out and you find one, two, and ultimately maybe one of these days three individuals, and you begin to love them just like that they were your own flesh and blood. And when they hurt, you hurt too, right? When they rejoice, you rejoice too, and you begin to pour into them on a regular basis, and you're working through the Word, you're trying to figure out life, you're praying these questions, things aren't making sense, and, and they're struggling, and you're struggling along with them, but you're trying to take them back to the gospel over and over and over, right? That's what discipleship looks like. And in that discipleship relationship, man, those prayers are very intentional, right? You are burdened, and you're pouring your heart out because this isn't just someone that I do ministry with over here, and this isn't just this distant relative. This is a dude that I love. I love him. I spend time with him every week, and he is hurting right now, and I am hurting too, and he is crying, and I am crying too, or he just got a promotion, and I am excited to death. They're having a baby, Lord. They're having a baby. I love them so much. Ultimately, we want this body to find two or three people that they really, really, really love and that they will disciple, and specifically as it relates to this subject, it'll change the way that you pray uh, for those individuals. Um, the last point that I would say as it relates to, to prayer is we need to pray understanding that it really is a spiritual exercise. Okay, It really is a spiritual exercise. If you've got your Bibles, go over to Ephesians 6. This is a lot of information, and I'm probably hitting fast forward, and I'm jumping over some things, but there's two more notes uh, that I have that you've got to hear, and then we're going to close actually and pray. So in Ephesians chapter 6, if you're there, we won't read through the whole thing, but there's the armor of God, right? And what the Lord says in verse number 10 is, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on his armor that you can stand against the devil and his schemes, Right, and then we're given the armor. We're given the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the feet fitted with the readiness comes from the gospel of peace and et cetera, et cetera. So we're giving all, given all these tools, right? And then at the end of that passage, look at it in verse number 18, after he's given us all of these tools, these we, this weaponry, and then he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication so that, uh, to, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also pray for me that words may be given to me, that I will speak blow, boldly and I will proclaim you know, the truth um, as, I'm, as I should. So there's this prayer component that goes with the armor of God that reminds us that, are you listening? There's an enemy and he hates you. And he hates me, and he hates this word, and he hates this moment right here. He hates it, right? He hates the kingdom, and he will do anything he can to hurt you and to hurt your family and to have husbands and wives separate and have hus uh, moms and dads be distant with their kids 
He'll do anything he can to break down the family unit, and you're seeing it all across America and in the world right now. It's the enemy. He's, he's vicious, and he's smart, and he's conniving, right? And one of the great tools that we have to fight against him is prayer. It's prayer. It's real simple. Is it hard? Absolutely. But we need to be praying people, right? So Ephesians 6 reminds us this. We looked at this passage a couple of months ago, 2 Peter 1, right? His divine power has given you everything that you need, all things that pertain to the life and godliness. His divine power, not your divine power, his divine power. How do I tap into his divine power if I don't spend any time with him at all? Right? So at the beginning, you know, I said, if you're a pitcher, you pitch. If you're a cook, you, you know, you spend time in the kitchen. If you're a mom, you probably want to spend time with those kids. Right? But if you're a Christian, you've got to pray. We've got to find a way to understand how important that this is. 2018, as we step into this discipline of prayer, we may do a lot of bonehead things at Redstone Church this year. I guarantee you we will make some dumb decisions. You'll be like, why did they do that? right? Or why are we going in this direction instead of this direction? That will continue. We won't get all of those things right, but one thing we need to get right. Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. If we get everything else wrong, but when we come together, we are a praying people. And when we leave and go out on mission during the week, we are praying people. I can guarantee you the enemy cannot do anything with that. He cannot fight against that. That's the one tool uh, that we have, and that's the one weapon that we have that is absolutely supernatural. I close with this passage in Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read the whole thing to you beginning at verse number 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the... And where am I? Oh, there we go. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll in the seven seals. Now look what all is going on here. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You see that? If not, go back and look at it again. We were going through the community Bible reading a few months ago, and we were going through Revelation together. And that just jumped off the page at me. Like, what? This makes no sense. First off, I'm not trying to explain what all these seven heads are and this, you know, the different eyes. And, but there's this theater. There's these majestic things that are taking place, right? And there's these beasts, and there's, you know, there's weeping, and there's the lamb that comes, 
right? And, and all of these creatures are seeing this, and there's these grand, grandiose prayers that are being prayed. And then in the middle of all of that, and this is what you need to grab a hold to people, onto people, right? This is it. In the middle of all of this, you're there. You are able to partake in this grand scene, in this grand theater, because there's this golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It took me back. I'm like, Jesus, why do you care about my prayers? Why this golden bowl of incense, which is pleasing, this is beautiful, wonderful aroma that is pleasing to you? Because the truth of the matter is, the gospel says that there is a God in heaven who loves his children. And he loves to hear from his children. And when we stop what we're doing, and we go to him and we say, oh, Father, I'm having a horrible day. Or, oh, Father, I need you. Or, oh, Father, I love you. Oh, Father, give me a heart that is thankful. Oh, God, I'm so full of pride. Clothe me with humility. And I begin to pray to the Lord. It goes to him as incense because he loves us. Hebrews and three of the gospels say it like this. There was this veil, Right? that separated us from God. And when Jesus came, and when he died and was crucified, that veil was torn so that Hebrew says that with confidence we can go into the Father and we can pray to him. If you're around me much, right, and if you're a, a husband, at some point in time I'm probably going to ask you about your time in the Word. How much time you spend in the Word? Let's talk about that a little bit. Now let's talk about your prayer life. And somewhere in that context... I'll probably ask you the question, how about praying with your wife? Do you spend any time praying with, with, with your wife, right? Or as a father, so do you pray with your kids? Do you pray over your kids? The responses that I get, and I'm not, you know, it, it is what it is, but the responses that I often get show me that, spirit, that, that prayer is spiritual, right? Because there's this uneasiness that's there with trying to answer that question. I get that. I understand that. The enemy, hear me on this, okay? This is... Really important. The enemy will do anything he can to keep you from praying, but he'll also do anything he can to keep you from praying with your spouse. Is that uncomfortable? Absolutely. The fact that it's uncomfortable should show you that the enemy doesn't want you to do it. Step into the uncomfortable for the cause of the kingdom. Pivot toward the uncomfortable so that you can actually begin to break down the barriers that exist in your marriage. And one of the best ways that you can do that is to pray. At a minimum, husbands, don't you think we ought to probably pray with our wives and pray for our wives? Yeah, at a minimum, we ought to do that. So let's work through the uncomfortables. How about your kids? Do you pray for your kids? Yeah, we pray for our kids. Do you actually pray over your kids? Do you lay your hands and pray over them? Well, no, we really don't do that. At a minimum, we probably ought to do that. With the world in which we live right now, at a minimum, we ought to be able to you know, step into prayer with boldness um, and ask the Lord you know, to, to bless these endeavors. And the fact that we don't and we struggle, we struggle giving an answer, should show us, yeah, it really is spiritual, and the enemy hates it when we pray. Let's be praying people. 2018, we're going to start on Wednesday nights, and there will be 17 reasons why I don't want to go pray this Wednesday night. There will be. Right? When, I, when I am sick, I struggle praying. I go through times of depression from time to time. I can't hardly pray. It's just there. And I'm like, Lord, please, i got to fight through this. The fact that there's that struggle that's there should show me that the enemy doesn't want us to pray. Wednesday night, we're going to come together. And I just encourage you. I encourage me. I encourage all of us. Let's start this year off to be prayers. 
to be people that are going to pray. We're going to break up into groups, and we're going to begin to go before the Lord. And, and hopefully in time, it'll start getting more comfortable for us. Okay, having said that, we're going to spend two minutes in prayer, and then we're going to step into communion. So if you have your card with you, um, great, pull it out, and let's look at it. If you do not have your prayer card with you, that's okay. I'm going to walk you through this. Okay, so let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, you've heard the word as it's gone out. Lord, I probably shared more words than I needed to this morning, but I wanted to be clear to share what I thought that I heard from you. And Lord, um, this prayer card that we have before us is a great way for us to start. Lord, and it says, you are Lord. We eagerly expect your coming. You will return and reign over earth. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. You are our king. Lord, in this moment, prick our hearts that we would submit to you as Lord and as king over our lives. Lord, the second point, this is not our home. As we eagerly await the coming of Christ, we must recognize that this world is not our home. Set our minds on things above where Christ is. Father, sometimes we're too comfortable in this world. You've told us not to love the world or the things that are in the world. Lord, begin now. Lord, help us to to know how to pray that we would become less comfortable here um, and more eager for your coming. And Lord, lastly, um, be missional. Many of the people around us do not share the hope that allows us to wait eagerly for you. Let us have the mission on our mind and the message of the gospel on the tip of our tongues this next year. Lord, we struggle sometimes with confidence of speaking the truth that you've given to us and knowing how to engage people. Lord, just like that passage in Ephesians 6, I pray now, Lord, that you would give us the boldness to speak the truth. Lord, to talk to a sister to talk to a neighbor, to talk to a coworker, and to begin to, to have true gospel conversations with them and to be missional and pay attention to the people that you're putting in front of us on a daily basis. Lord, we ask that of you now. And Lord, we understand as we step into communion that the body that is going to be broken as the communion workers come forth Um, to their stations, but that body that is broken represents your body that you have given for us. And that drink that we're going to drink represents the blood that covers all of our sins. And Lord, I pray that as we step into our time of communion uh, this morning, Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of the, the grandeur of the gospel, that there is a God in heaven who loves us, and who loves to hear from his children. So may this 2018 year of prayer begin with these prayers that will take place before we receive your body and before we receive your blood. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can stand and I've already walked you through the elements. So there's going to be one station here if you're new. And there's going to be four stations scattered throughout. So go partake of communion whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm.